Baki is coming home to El Paso this summer. You heard it here first, except you probably saw it on Twitter. So, uh, but no, this is the two red gringos, and we are home back on the airwaves. I'm back with Pat Staley. Pat, how's it going? I think that's the longest we've played intro music, and I want to thank you because I think you did it. I think you did it just for me. Uh. I- yeah, I mean, it, it, this is all for you, you know? Even though it's about you, I, I still feel that part of it's for me, so. so yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to get, I don't want to go on another early pod rant, so I'm going to save that for maybe the name credits. But, uh, but no, good, a good story I was telling, uh, as much as I don't want to give him a shout out, Fernie, the United fan in El Paso, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a, a story for another time involving it. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> we, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I've got, uh, a, a, a return to El Paso via, via the army. So, um, I will be back with the El Paso Reds, the war Reds as they're affectionately known and, uh, back amongst, back amongst my, my folks, you know, man among boys, no offense to the El Paso crew, but they're, I mean, they're literally like. 22 years old. <laughs> they are young. <laughs> they are all young, yeah. I will I, be. A quick question for you. Who yeah. Are you going to wrangle back the uh, the Juarez, the El Paso Reds account? Because that was originally yours until we until we created the split. Are you going to leave that one with Jose? That is true. So a quick history lesson for those who, uh, for those who don't know. Um, we started up, so 
myself and Patrick, with, without each other's knowledge, started up <laughs> Twitter accounts to try to find other Liverpool supporters in El Paso, um, thinking it would be an easy feat. Turned out to be a lot harder than we <laughs> thought it would be, but um, ended up... So your your account, which was actually named Juarez, and mine, which was El Paso Reds, uh, merged at that point. I think you were El Paso yeah. LFC. And so we merged. I think so, yeah. Uh, took control, made made Juarez and El Paso Reds the same entity. And then, uh, then um, as I departed, I handed it off to you, that, that Twitter handle. And then uh, it became Jose's. Um, it's like a like a monarchy system we chose our successor (laughs) and bestowed the honor upon them um but no we uh so no i will not i will not wrangle it back um i'll just i'll maintain the two two red gringos and uh i'll let i'll let jose i'll let the new generation uh run the the el paso reds and I was going to say, who knew this would turn into a like Marvel Universe universe origin story? But uh, yeah, a little, little bit of history from the, from the gringos right there. Yeah, history lesson. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited to get back, though, because obviously it's, uh, it, it's changed a lot, I'd say, in the, in the years since I've been gone. But uh, it's, it's gotten better. Um, and... Uh, it's just a, it's a good group of dudes. So I'm, I'm excited to, I mean, some of them I haven't even met cause they were recruited after my, after my time. So, um, <laughs> it'll be great to, to meet some of them, but, but also to, to link back up with, I mean, Jose was like the original El Paso red. So I have to give credit to, uh, yeah. to Jose. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just, uh, maintained, he's kept the faith out there and, and it's, uh, showing now where they're they're getting a little bit uh better turnout, which seems to happen every time Liverpool's making a run in the Champions League or <laughs> they come out of the woodwork, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was back in I was back in El Paso. Uh, what was it? Just just last week, I think it was. Yeah, just last week for work, and I got to see a few of the guys. I missed Jose, but a uh, few of them stuck around, and even Alan showed up uh, showed up afterwards. So we we got to enjoy a few few celebratory beers um, for our triumph over City. Yeah, that's uh, it's fantastic. Obviously, uh, having drawn Roma and avoided the the Munichs and the Madrids of the of the world are we uh are we hashtag blessed that we drew roma mm, i think it, is that another drake is that another drake line or is that just i don't know i'm, I'm too old for that but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we gotta get in but but of course we uh our our you know typical segment has been thrown off a little bit because we just had the pleasure of uh teaming up with uh to, to talk about all things el paso usl oh, yeah. But we can't skip. Oh, you're right. Our, you're right. our true bread and butter, you know what? Or maybe not bread and butter, but you know, hops maybe, and grain. maybe of the <laughs> hops and grain <laughs> varietal. Yeah. What's uh, what, what's your poison? You lead it off this time. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll I'll uh, have to give a shout out to Real Ale Brewing Company, mm. Um, mm. a Texas classic. Um, 
and their Axis IPA. Um, nothing, nothing fancy this time around. Just a just a good solid citrusy IPA, and uh, from a from a brewery that just uh, they they do it right out there in uh, in Blanco, Texas. That's not your first time with the Axis beer, is? I feel like that's one that uh, that I've heard before. Hmm. Might be, might be. I might be a uh, repeat offender today, which is, is out of character, <laughs> but uh, but it is a great beer, so I I regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. I wanted to roll the dice a little bit. I was feeling good about this pod today, so I was like, you know, I'll try a new a new Mexican brewery. So I've got uh, Cerveceria Vendelot which sounds incredibly German. It's out of the Baja region, but uh, I already polished off their Mexican lager and I have moved on to their Baja pills. So nice. it's been it's been quality thus far, but just in case I need a backup, I've got Modelo Especial uh, lurking lurking right behind it. <laughs> the uh, Well, I mean, the German name of the brewery is backed up by a, a Pilsner and a lager to start off, so not a, uh, not a bad start for living up to their seemingly German roots out there in Baja, California. <laughs> well, you know, I got to keep the, the alcohol content low because, you know, if I get two, two or three heavy IPAs during a, during a two red gringo sesh, then, you know, that's, that's when shit tends to hit the fan. That's very true. Yeah. When I don't remember <laughs> mixing down the pod and it gets posted and I don't remember what I wrote in the notes and yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> the uh no and that's what speaking of so we just we just got off the off the phone with uh with alan from el paso usl absolutely great uh interviewed great guy to talk to um but i couldn't i i had to hold back so many so many jokes that i wanted to tell and talking about this mexican brewery's <laughs> german heritage just brought you know foosball club cincinnati's uh uh, recent rebranding into <laughs> just to the forefront. Um, nothing, uh, nothing screams German like Cincinnati. And um, <laughs> yeah, I was just, uh, I, I think, so I think it actually will be a lot of fun being in USL. Cause I'm, I am going to be able to just make fun of a lot of other teams and it, I think it'll be quite enjoyable. Yeah. You'll be on the front lines for USL, <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, the, they were very, they're very authentic. Not, not to get into too much because we did, we we'll, we'll put it out there as a pod, but it, it it sounded good, right? It sounded like you know what we what we want to see. Entertainment community was a big part of it, um, but I'm interested to see you know what direction they go with from you know we were trying to to push them on you know rivalries, uh, lower league, upper league connection. Um, so time will tell, you know, but it, it, it's regardless. I mean, I think whatever your position is on, on soccer in the U S whether, you know, if you, you live in, in the Austin area, um, you know, here in El Paso, even Chicago, I mean, getting a new team is exciting, right? Ideally it's not at the benefit of another city. Um, but, (laughs) but, but I mean, it's exciting for those people and I'm, I'm glad to see, uh, as much as we can be combative with like the AO and like the U.S. Soccer and, and and other connections, I'm really glad to see that they're coming out in strong support. I know that the the Gooners, the the EP Gooners are um, a lot of the people that I see in AO are also in there too. So it, it, it's good because that's what you need. El Paso is so passionate too, but I think they're 
soccer can be so disconnected in communities across the United States that you, especially in El Paso, we found that you got to pull resources to, to make it work. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're tapping into those existing resources and others too. So no, it, it was fun. I mean, it's so cool of the guy to come on, uh, to, to talk with us, to, to talk about the background and where they're going. So I'm, I'm excited for it. And I know El Paso is too. So cheers to them. Yeah. And I mean, I, uh, I for one cannot wait for the first game of the season when uh when one of our ep gooners is is holding a venger out sign in the uh, supporters section at a <laughs> at an el paso game in the usl definitely be, punchy definitely punchy. it will be punchy for sure uh, but those guys are great and like you said it is it's i think it'll be a great opportunity to get all of those groups on on common ground you know uh, where one day, one you know, one day of a weekend, we could be at each other's throats for a for an EPL game, and then turn around and walk down to the stadium for a for a uh, El Paso game, and and be be on the same side. So I think uh, it ha- has some definitely very cool opportunities to to bring together the soccer communities in in El Paso, and just yeah. uh, kind of give give a a a live voice to all of us who you know are up early on weekends to to support our teams and um so it gives us a a more more local and 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 live option so and more hangovers too because just the sound of like you know an 8 a.m premier league match followed by like a 3 p.m <laughs> whether it's the chihuahuas or whether it's uh the usl el paso team that just sounds like a full day of just football and drinking. Um, and as much as it may get us in trouble with our significant others, I mean, that sounds like a perfect day to me. Yeah, it sure does. So, um, so moving, moving on now for our, for our Liverpool listeners, I kind of jumped the gun, um, but everyone, everyone's excited about the champions league. I mean, I know uh, the bar was feeling, the bar was feeling a little empty. Um, it, It was a pretty decent turnout. Uh, for the game against Bournemouth this weekend, but uh, definitely not on the level of uh, of what a Champions League uh, quarterfinal was like, and and certainly not what the semifinal will be like. In drawing Roma, uh, what are what are we looking at as as Liverpool fans? Because I I think we all sat back and said yes, this is a good draw. But I mean, I'll raise my hand and say I've watched Roma all of maybe twenty minutes. Uh, yep. this whole season and it's only been in the Champions League so um, are we as lucky as we think we are with this draw yeah I think I'm not normally I rant against LFC Twitter whenever anybody like if LFC Twitter is in like perfect harmony and unison on this topic better believe that I'm probably going to be you know the, <laughs> the one person against her in the severe minority um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rant against them today because I think they're playing it smart with with giving respect to Rome and I think Rome is doing the exact same thing you know this is I, I don't know how Roma or Roma fans would feel about drawing LFC but I think just like City we're probably nervous I think we were probably the team that that nobody wanted to draw, right? Maybe Roma feels that, you know, that it might be a better draw for them than Madrid or Bayern, but we can't ignore the fact, as much respect as we want to pay them, we can't ignore the fact that that is the easiest draw. 
that is an easier draw than uh, even as, as suspect as Madrid has looked. I think we've seen this season that, you know, regardless of the league, the Champions League is a different story for them. You know, they find ways to win either by blowing out the opposition or getting suspect penalties and, you know, the 97th minute for Ronaldo to convert. So <laughs> that, that's always dangerous, too. But uh, I don't think we can mistake it at all. Roma is the easiest draw. Um and, and uh, I, I dug deep. I, I dug deep on the stats, but I want to hear your take on it, too. I, I, that's why they're good for everybody tipping their hat to Roma, not taking it uh, lightly, especially Klopp's comments, too, saying anybody at this stage is going to be tough. Right. But I think we also have to recognize that, yes, we're. I hate saying this, but hashtag blessed to, to pick <laughs> up Roma as opposed to the two other teams that could have been. Yeah, I so I think when I look at it, I look at it too from from the other team's perspective. So if uh if I'm like you said, you know, no one would have wanted to to draw Liverpool at this at this stage and maybe maybe Roma's the only team that's fingers crossed uh you know, let me draw Liverpool cuz um I can't draw myself. Um but the <laughs> the uh no, but in in all seriousness, the I think when I look at it from a, a Bayern perspective, I'm looking across and I'm thinking, okay, Roma definitely, I I, I can definitely beat Roma. Um, but if I'm looking between Liverpool and Real Madrid, I if I'm Bayern, I'm looking at Madrid as the as the more beatable team. Um, yeah, in I terms agree. of this season, Bayern was the one I didn't want to get. I did not want to get Bayern, and that's and that's how I felt. Is I think just in terms of their ability to consistently, they just seem to win. It's not, it's not even necessarily that they've looked insanely good or their style of play is all that, you know, it's, uh, you don't sit back and watch Byron and just think, wow, uh, you know, this is maybe the greatest team ever assembled. It's not, it's not the Barcelona of, of the late two thousands where you sat back and are just in awe of, you know, every, every passage of play. Um, but they get results always. Yep. And this Madrid team, um, while they've been doing it in the Champions League, uh, perhaps with a little help from Michael Oliver, but um, they, they've, they've gotten the job done in the Champions League, but they haven't shown all that much resiliency in the league. Yeah, And I just, I think, as, as Liverpool, Bayern definitely would have been the worst draw. Um, with Real Madrid a very close second, uh, but there's no there's no arguing that we've been put in in probably the best possible position to to make it to a, a European final, um, which is is obviously still regardless of the opponent it's far too early to say anything because anything can happen in 180 minutes. But uh, we've de- we're definitely in in the best position now uh, to to advance. Uh, past Roma because I would have some serious question marks I think just about the the defensive solidity of Bayern um, and then the seemingly unending uh, fortune of Real Madrid (laughs) I think we're the exact same page too because I I was even talking with my uh, buddy here Chris in um, I think it's at song for DS or something like that. I, I, I'll have to double check. We'll, we'll give him a shout out. Um, but I was talking to him about it, you know, because he's, he's normally got really good takes 
on just about everything LFC related. And I, you know, I was thinking maybe it's, maybe it's a toss up Madrid. I, I always just get nervous about Madrid just because of, I mean, I think the compilation videos of, <laughs> of referees, um, uh, I don't know, uh, favoring and, and Madrid side kind right. of speak for themselves, but uh, Bayern too. I mean, they're I, maybe not in style, but I think they're similar teams. They're both, like you said, they're both finding ways to win. And also just Bayern gets to edge because they, their defense is just so, so good. So robust. And I think that's where Madrid has shown that they're vulnerable this year is, is in their defense. And that, <laughs> that is music to, to LFC's ears, but I'm, I don't know. I, I've been hearing a lot of, a lot of support for Roma defensively. Um, and that's not necessarily what I think about when I think about this Roma team is their defensive prowess, but uh, I've been hearing a lot about that too, in, in terms of how good Roma can be defensively. Yeah. Let, so you, you've done quite a bit of work uh, here on, on the statistical deep dive. Um, so I, I want you to, to be able to, to kick this off and, and maybe put the, the context behind uh, where we see this LFC Roma matchup and where we see kind of the strengths and, uh, and the weaknesses on, on both sides. Yeah, I, I went deep. I went deep. I hope, hopefully not <laughs> too deep. I didn't hit any nerves. But <laughs> what, what I think, again, too, number one, we'll always bookend it because we're LSE fans and we don't want to take anything for granted. We think the world's going to – we literally posted stuff about, you know, an asteroid is coming and the world's going to end before we even get to Roma. So that that's the <laughs> mindset of LSE fans going in. Um, and I think it does, it, it's a little bit different for us to be the favorites. And I always think that's a benefit to be the underdogs. And I think Roma, without a doubt, feel that they're the underdogs. I think, you know, if you're a neutral, you're definitely looking at LFC to win because th- that, that was my approach. How, let me approach this from a neutral's point of view. Let me dive in to see like performances in everything, just about everything seems to favor Liverpool, right? If we look at put aside league results and just focus on the champions league. We have been the best team in the champions league. And I want to say by far too, maybe you could compare it to city, but we, we handed it to city over two legs. And if we can do that to city, there's no reason why we should be able to do that to Roma. Um, but one thing, one thing I'll kind of start with is that I think of all the things, uh, everybody was like, let's get, you know, Anfield, Anfield uh, over the second leg, you know, which would be great for atmosphere. But we've seen with Porto, we've seen with City that the first leg favors us, and especially more so with this with this Roma squad, who've been kind of lights out at home. Right? They haven't kind of lit up the scoreboard, but defensively, they haven't given up a single goal at home in the Champions League this year. So I was like, okay, all right, you know, credit to you, Roma, but let me look a little bit a little bit closer at that. The biggest story is Barcelona, right? that they had this incredible comeback victory against Barcelona. Um, and when you look at it, Barcelona, they didn't score any goals there. And so, okay, let me take a look at Barcelona's record. Barcelona only scored two away goals in the Champions League. Chelsea, six and four game. Shakhtar, two and four. And then Napoli, three and three. So it's not exactly like these teams were, were lighting it up. I think Roma's path, to where they are has been impressive. When you think again, Barcelona, Chelsea, Shakhtar, now all these other teams that they had to face getting there. Um, but those other teams just vastly underperformed and especially away from home. So I think that 
even the best thing that Roma has going for them, that their their home record so far in the Champions League, flatters them a little bit. And what should be terrifying them is their away record too, where they've just they've averaged almost two to three goals a game um, defensively away from home. So that to me just screams like perfect matchup. And especially, <laughs> they've only done it once, but the victory against Barcelona, they switched to a back three. So if they, <laughs> maybe they had this in their mind, that this back three was successful against Barcelona, let's set up this way against Liverpool. I don't think, they, they've, I, I can't remember the name of the coach, but he's done an incredibly job um, with his record, previous record now with Barcelona. But if he, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Like Barcelona doesn't have that pedigree. That's one of the things I noted too. They don't have that pedigree. So they may not stick to their guns and stick to that back four. They may be thinking, this back three worked against Barcelona. Let's try this against Liverpool. I mean, we know it. I don't think there's any way that the coach will roll the dice because, like I said, they've only gone to that back three once in the Champions League. But, I mean, that to me, I, I think that's that's in our favor is that we've shown against Porto, against City, that we can hit the ground running and just put that second leg out of reach. Granted, that puts a little bit more pressure to perform during that first leg. But I don't know. I think our, our home, what we've done in the knockout stages so far our home record, but also as good as we can be away from home. If you're, if you're a neutral for this, I don't think there's, there's nothing really that, that you would kind of give the edge to Roma to. Maybe if you're looking, if we're analyzing position wise, you say, you know, Allison, their, their, their keeper maybe gets a nod on, on, on Carius, but you know, and maybe like that midfield better than Liverpool's, but with Liverpool, it's not about positions. It's, it's Klopp's tactical setup. And again, we want to give credit to Roma, but there, there's nothing. When I see this, there's nothing that I see that tells me that that something should favor Roma. And I'm just like pounding on my wood. I'm not really right now because that would be annoying, but I'm kind of <laughs> softly tapping on the wood right now, not to jinx it. But that, that's what I kind of found. Normally, it's fifty-fifty, right? When you go into city, there's this nervousness of uh, of this is a, this is maybe a vastly superior team, and I think Roma has that about LFC. So I think the edge that they have is they're going in probably with more respect that we're going to give them. And that's why I'm not knocking LFC Twitter is because I think our players, I know Klopp is, I know the players are, but I think even the fan base too, respect them, but also I'll say it to everybody. I mean, have that same intensity that you've got against City. Maybe leave the beer bottles like on the ground or to the side. Don't damage any coaches, but make it terrifying <laughs> when Roma shows up because I know that they're going to do the same for us. And I, I don't want us to lose. I don't want us to lose that edge. I don't want us to be too much uh, wrapped up in this whole oh respect Roma, respect Roma. We can't take them for granted. That's fine, but be assholes whenever that coach arrives. <laughs> be assholes without beer bottles is what I'll say. Right. Yeah, I mean, we we've made we've made Anfield absolutely nightmarish um, for teams coming in, and um, I think so. I think pointing to Roma, um, there were a lot of people when we drew Porto in in the first knockout round that said, "Hey, don't you know? Don't get overconfident about Porto. Don't don't take it for granted." Uh, and we went away in the first leg and absolutely smashed them to yep. pieces. Um, I think in this case, it, it actually does. You, you made the note here that the legs do do favor LFC. And I think a lot of people are probably looking at 
the results against Barcelona as, you know, a sample size, uh, a sample size of one as proof of the idea that a second leg in Rome uh, could be disastrous just because of the, you know, a three nothing win uh, against a, a Barcelona team that played exceptionally poorly um, in Rome. But the yeah. if they ship four goals at Anfield, you won't be seeing Roma in the final. That's if if Roma, if Roma give up four goals like they did at the Camp Nou, they will not be in the final because this is I think this Liverpool team has shown in the in the second leg against City that they now have that that grit um yep. to to grind out a result and then they have that the the clinicality if that's the word if that is a word um <laughs> but they have that edge to them like you said where now it's not a case of because for a long time Liverpool has been oh they played great but they just didn't have that cutting edge they there was so much attractive play yeah. but they didn't have that cutting edge well now it's almost the opposite well not the opposite because they obviously play a lot of attractive football but it is you can look at a game against City where you basically have two clear-cut chances and they were both goals um and that's that's the difference now is um they have that edge even in games that aren't going their way they have the ability to uh to to get those goals and um and take their chances when they're presented so i think i think that's a really important point um and i think if if roma play the way that they do or that they have done in this competition uh at anfield then they are going to have a very very uh big hill to climb in the second leg um and if and if they do rely on that back three um i was I was fortunate enough to be able to dig through. So, so Dan, Dan Kennett, who is a a great source. um, If you're not already following him on Twitter, he's probably one of the best um, in terms of the, the data analysis and, and statistical side of the game um, and kind of compiling that. So he, uh, he put together a little thread on Twitter about, about um, playing three at the back, which we had, against LFC, which we had talked about a few weeks ago in terms of, uh, you know, Juventus being the, the dream draw, um, because of their, their three at the back, we drew city, um, and they decided to play, well, they decided to play center backs as fullbacks. And that was, that was good enough. Um, but the, the stats as they're, as he sees them, uh, against back threes this year for Liverpool is, uh, they've played 19 uh, games against teams that played back threes, and they've won 14 of those, drawn two, and lost three. Scored 46, conceded 18, and kept nine clean sheets. So it comes out to 2.3 points per game. And um, looking at some of the more notable results. Uh, Hoffenheim away and home were both against back threes, and that was that ended up six to th- six to three on aggregate. Um, the four nothing against Arsenal, 
the three nothing against Maribor, four one against West Ham, three nothing against Stoke, three nothing against Huddersfield, four one against West Ham, five nil against Watford, three nil against City, two one against City, and then a three nil against Bournemouth. So some pretty big wins um, in there for Liverpool and. If you extrapolate their 19 games against back threes over 38, which just to put it in context is that it would uh, would have been 88 an 88 point season um, if we only played back threes with a plus 56 goal difference. Um, so bottom line is the team has success against against back threes. So if they want to rely on that, then I, I, I really do welcome them. Uh, to yeah. do that against what has been the best ever English attack in the <laughs> Champions League. And still a minimum of two games left to play, too. So, uh, yeah, that's – and the thing about the back three, too, those are some high-profile games, too. So the fact that you you end up with about 88 points over a 38-game season I think is even more impressive, too. So I don't think Roma's going to be – going to be that foolish but maybe maybe it's in their mind like hey this worked against barcelona let's try it against liverpool so i i think that that would just feed into it especially i think it's i was looking at sprint stats for what i think the quarterfinals and like two of the top five were van dyke but also uh monolans for roma hmm. so they they do have some speed in center back but then another whether it's Tank Reddy or somebody else on Twitter was commenting on, um, I don't know if it's their Brazilian center back or the other guy that um, is is one of the slower players on the pitch too. So whether it's, right. uh, I mean, only only there's two of them. So somebody's got to cover Mane, somebody's got to cover Salah. So uh, I don't know. Maybe they go to that back three and roll the dice. But you know, we'll we'll see. But I'm I'm bottom line for Roma is you got to feel good about the draw. Uh, respect them, but again, not to the point where you're you're throwing them a parade when they come into Anfield too. But uh, but yeah, thanks for correcting me on the Porto stat too. For whatever reason, I was thinking we had Porto at home first, but uh, yeah, it was reverse like. Yeah, and that's what I I think it just kind of shows that you know in these knockout rounds we we jumped out to a fast start against Porto away, and then in the next round we played City at home first and and blitzed them as well. So. I, I I'd say the the two those two results just I point to it's it's not even necessarily a an approach that depends on whether we're home or away. I think we've seen it home away. It doesn't really matter from Klopp this season. He um he's gonna try to press, win the ball high, create that pressure, and then uh get the goals early and that way you're able to see out the result uh you know the most most of the time where you can come back um and have a comfortable you know zero zero in the second leg and everyone uh can go home um so i i think it's he's just proven that the way he sets up is not going to really be dictated by where the first leg is or the second leg is he's we know that he's going to come out and try to win the tie in the first 45 minutes um and uh there's i i think there's a very good chance that with that first leg happening at anfield there could be uh it it could be a very good start to the to the semifinals with given given roma's form uh away from home yeah i agree so yeah i think city was a, a huge 
it was a huge test in that second leg, especially after they got the goal. But I mean, the defense held out too. So I mean, Rome's not going to be Rome's not the type of team that's going to sit back. I think Trent and uh, Robertson are going to be tested. So, I, but I know Klopp will get them ready too. You know, we've got. I think I said that before. We're at like 100% faith in Klopp at this point, right? If he rolls out Gomez as a six versus Roma, there's going to be some uproar on Twitter. But I think other is going to be like, okay, it's Klopp. We've got that faith in him. So, I mean, that that I think is Klopp to us. There to me is always the edge. So, uh, whatever, it, either direction it goes, it's good to be back, like you said, among the European royalties. So it's it's where we belong. Long may it continue. Absolutely, yeah. It, it is a it's a it's a nice change um, from our feeling in the in the Champions League just a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it's hard to even hard to even talk about. Um, but as we as we kind of talk about the history, there was some there's been some uh, some talk um, on uh, on social media. The the new kits for for next season are are dropping. Uh, tomorrow morning um, bright and early for for us stateside and uh, there's been there's been quite a mixed reaction to the to the leaks uh, of the new kits so we know it's a dark red we know it's a collar we know it's got white accents what's what's your take on on the 1819 home kit is it is it dark red I've only seen one picture, one picture with Salah, where it was where it's looked dark red. The other ones have looked more like 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16. So I don't know. A lot of the pictures I've seen have looked like they're a little bit lighter, that they're getting away from the this year's home kit. And yeah, that may that may be the case. I think I think we we would probably all agree, given the the popularity of this of this home kit, which probably uh is rivaling the 1314 home shirt in terms of fan popularity um yeah and is saying a lot for the kind of the classic look or the the simpler uh home kits um because it is just a it's a clean shirt and the shade of red is just it, I don't I don't know there's something about it I really I really do like it uh, I think it would be a mistake to go away from it after one season, but yeah. Um, but regardless, with the with the collar, what's your what's your take on on having the the actual collar versus a uh, a, a crew style design? <laughs> I was going to ask you the same question too. I don't, <laughs> when you said what you know, the big the big debate is over whether or not you button the top button. Um, and I feel as, as Mo Salah goes then, or actually probably as, as Roberto Firmino goes, I'll probably go as Bob, uh, as, as Bobby I goes, I go <laughs> <laughs> as Bobby goes. So goes the rest of, uh, LSC Twitter, but yeah. <laughs> Bobby is definitely going to be top button, button, probably the collar popped. And, you know, I feel Salah's follow is probably going to flip off that top button too, but I've, Aside from, I think it was one of my favorites. Once we get into that, was the, I think it was the fourteen fourteen fifteen away, the black one with the collar. That that one I liked, and the Adidas, maybe the Adidas before, um, like in oh six oh seven maybe mm-hmm. uh, when they when they had the collar. Those those were good, but I'm I'm not typically a big collar guy. I like the 
I like the crew and especially anything with like a V, especially a deep V. Um, <laughs> I'm all in favor of that. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan, uh, of, uh, kits with a, with a collar, but, um, I, as, as probably many out there, uh, are, I am, regardless of what it looks like when it's actually unveiled tomorrow, I'm buying it. Um, (laughs) because there is only one player destined for the back of it. And that is one Nabi Keita. Ooh, the eight. When he joins and he's wearing the eight, uh, there is no, there is no, there's no other option. As amazing as well, I need, I, I, I need a solid jersey, um, but Nabi Day is approaching, and uh, and I, I will, he will be gracing the back of of my eighteen nineteen. <laughs> home kit there's no other option. well you know you know i can't do that because it would it would eventually it would eventually be cursed although i think i i bought the trend <laughs> this year with my with my 17 18 money money home kit so I'm, I'm feeling better about it i think i gotta go for sure things in the past i've gone you know from ibe to sterling you know the up-and-coming players so i think it just <laughs> behooves me to go to <laughs> to not wait for it to go on sale and and get the up and comers, but to get the uh, the proven things, the Firminos, the the Salas, the the Manes. So, uh, out of out of respect to to Navi Kaita and Kaita Day, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on as much as I want that that new eight. I'll, I'll probably hold off on that until <laughs> after at least one season. The uh, yeah, I well, and and your your purchase of the Mane of the Mane jersey has over has overseen his transformation from uh from the free free scoring winger into the playmaker slash uh free scoring free scoring playmaker (laughs) (laughs) the free scoring playmaker that he is yeah a quick reminder that Sadio Mane still has 17 goals this season so yeah Um, but he absolutely turned it up yeah no, absolutely. Oh, he's been great, but he's he's kind of been. I I think. Well, I I for one have have been able to appreciate him more, uh, for his the uh, his involvement in the other phases of play. So maybe maybe that's down to you. Just you. If you buy the jersey, they're going to go through some change in their life, <laughs> some type of transformation, right? <laughs> and we'll we'll keep with the kits, but we have to. We didn't put in the outline. We have to the greatest stat, one of the greatest stats I've seen from a player. We've got to pay tribute to Bobby, to Bobby Firmino, Bobby Dazzler. Yeah. At the end of this podcast, but no, we'll keep with the kits. For okay, we'll, we'll go with, with the, the kits, kits, and then we'll we'll do a Bobby Ender, and then uh, and then we'll round it out. So, all right. So I wanted to do something. It's since it is new kit season. I wanted to. This is this is actually. Uh, a conversation at the uh, suggestion of of one DJ Staley, aka Four mm-hmm. Four Spew, um, aka Darby Daniels, aka yeah, <laughs> <laughs> aka King Darbo, a- <laughs> aka Stormy Daniel. <laughs> too soon, too soon. <laughs> So uh it's the type of political zingers you've come to expect on the two ring <laughs> Nothing but the best. 
<laughs> so, so, uh, so I wanted to talk, and and maybe I've got this in the wrong order. Maybe we should maybe we should talk about talk about <laughs> E before we talk about D. So, let's talk about kits over the last. We'll we'll call it ten years. So reaching back to the to the two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, I'll even give you you know mid two thousands. Um, and uh, so let's talk about our our least favorite three kits and then then we can talk about the best so that we're ending on a on a more positive note okay we can we can do that i got i got my right just like i just like we dug in deep for the uh the, the roma analysis I've, I've done the same for my for my kit selection but uh i didn't know we were going if, if we were going all the way back since you mentioned the mid-2000s what do we call those are those the audis is that what we call them? <laughs> the the yeah the audi <laughs> yeah audis is that I is guess. that what it was that's what, was, that's what the Brits call it, for sure. <laughs> but no, I think this this Warrior New Balance phase is going to be like, in 10, 15 years, we're going to look back on it. Like, when you picture those Reebok kits of the early... Now, I know, I know one in particular is going to be close to our hearts, but when you picture those Reebok kits of the early and mid-2000s, I don't know about you, but it's not, it's not a good image. You know, it was still, the early, you know, it's still loose fitting. But uh, when I see Reebok, you know, part of me throws up a little bit. <laughs> same. <laughs> and I just, I get that same feeling for, for New Balance, right? Like when I see it, the second it rolls out, I'm like, that's terrible. And then, it, <laughs> you know, it, it comes back to me a little bit and I think, okay, it's not, it's not that bad because they, they've rolled out some really good kits um, and we'll get to those for the top ones too. But I don't, how do you feel about the Reebok kits of the early to mid 2000s? Oh, I just, I, I have a, so I have a negative reaction to Reebok too. And I, I don't know if this was something that was bred into us. Um, like when I'm thinking Reebok, I'm thinking about my mom trying to convince me to get the Reeboks for basketball season. Yeah. Um, because they're a lot cheaper than the than the T Max or the or the <laughs> you know like the shoe I actually want. Um, so that's that's kind of how I see Reebok. Is I just immediately think like, man, they were trying to they were just trying to get things at a cut rate. You know, they were they weren't trying to spend top dollar on, on the kits. <laughs> so that's I I just think of you know the the Reebok Liverpool years is when they got cheap. You know. Yeah. When I I picture Reebok. What stands out in my head? Now, aside from like, you know, two, we can't talk bad about it. This is obviously excluding 2005 and anything worn during that campaign is exempt to this. Mm-hmm. But when I see those kits, I think of, of Garth from Wayne's World just sitting back once he's sold out. He's got his like little Reebok cap on. <laughs> that, that to me kind of sums up Reebok. And I feel like we're going to get to that stage with New Balance as well. So as good as, good as some of their kits have been. I'm looking forward to the next phase, just so long as it's Adidas, Nike. I'm I'm rooting for Puma just because you know as a lanky guy, I need that like skin tight, you know, <laughs> cutting off circulation Alexi Sanchez type kit. But uh, but no, I, I think we should do this. Let's let's go back and forth. I'm going to give you my worst one, and you give me your worst one. Okay. So this, I mean, I almost have an entire year. As, but I didn't put it as the worst. Okay. So this one I was a little bit uh, I was a little bit thrown off by it because I because if I wasn't 
if I wasn't a Liverpool fan, it may actually be a cool kit. But it's the Adidas 2011-2012 third kit. Okay. Do you know which one I'm talking I about? I do. The, 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 uh, the aqua blue. The blue. And the white. Blue. It is, it, I can picture Suarez wearing it and, and doing magnificent, magnificent things in it. But for me, and, and I love the color blue, but putting blue on a Liverpool kit, even though I think our first ever kit was blue, we'll <laughs> ignore that. But it wasn't that blue, right? And now, given Chelsea, given Everton, all of that, given City, you can't, you can't do blue. You cannot put the color blue anywhere near a Liverpool kit. And for that reason alone, I gave the 2011-2012 kit not a poor design, but just everything about it. Everything about it was wrong. <laughs> okay. I, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a little bit because um, I, I feel like – so War, I feel like Warrior is going gonna, is gonna to take a beating um, – in this because I could, I could have made my, <laughs> I could have made two worst of lists just off of, off of warrior. And I'll probably still include at least one of them, but, uh, but I'm going to go back a little bit and I'm going to take a shot at Adidas because, and this is, this is right on the edge of our, of our time frame. Um, but I am going to take a, a slight swipe at Adidas because they did have some some weak ones, and and so we'll have two Adidas kits on the board before we can uh, before we move on to the <laughs> the Warrior years. Um, but it's the it's the 0708 third kit, um, the black jersey with the meandering red stripe <laughs> <laughs> that just somehow kind of eventually finds its way down from the center collar it it looks like <laughs> yeah I, I don't know it looks like uh they've gerrymandered this shirt <laughs> <laughs> it's just head it's almost heading straight for the crotch too which is which is never a good thing and like, there's enough attention drawn there for footballers in general you don't need to do that exactly and that's what i i hate to i hate to have have this kid on the list only because probably one of one of my favorite uh fernando torres goals was scored in in this in this kit uh against marseille in europe um yeah and uh so it's not all bad memories but god just i i just i want to see who submitted that uh and i i can't imagine the shock (laughs) on his face when they were like yep this is what we're going with um for Liverpool, he couldn't have thought that it would that it would be selected. I think he did it as a joke, and and then it uh, he he was like, oh well, I guess I I guess we're going with this. You know, they're shipping like that. So um, so yeah, oh seven oh eight, the the third the black third kit with the meandering red stripe, um, and and not in the uh, you know Jamaican beer sense. Yeah, no, that's that's a good shout. That's a good shout, definitely. And and you're right on kind of the cutoff right for the last 10 years so uh no no, i think those are two solid ones and as as bad as as warrior has been uh, i think that gives a little little bit of hipster credit to us for for throwing adidas under the bus because (laughs) i I mean great i mean everybody wants adidas come back because i i mean i was having a hard time i was looking through those kits as some of the best and i was like just so much of them are good whether you know as simple as they can be whatever accents they put in but um all right, so then second from my list, I I think I have to go with the entire 2012-2013 Warrior catalog. 
can I do that? Can I? Can, yeah. I, I, no, I you can condemn I, I a whole I year. Can't, I can't pick between them. That whole thing to have one year, like just don't, don't even do it. And for Warrior to kick off, for Warrior New Balance to kick off their kit partnership with that, I'm picturing Andy Carroll in the home kit with just like that, that that limp collar. That, <laughs> and maybe it's because the that was one of the the first kits I had was a, a Sterling twelve thirteen. So that's not helping the cause, but right. <laughs> that home kit was just bad. It, it feels just flimsy. It, it, it's terrible. The away kit. I, I I don't. It looks honestly like a wetsuit. I mean that <laughs> that that's the best thing you can say about it. I mean that's the most damning thing, and it's the best thing you can say is that maybe if you buy like a small and you wear a large, it comes off like I don't know an Under Armour like workout shirt or something. But then the third kit, the third kit, I don't know how you could take a tribute to Hillsboro and make it. And, and make it a bad thing. But they did that. They, they designed, like, right, the, the sleeves on the third kit that year were supposed to be the Hillsborough Flames, right? Yeah. But they just come off looking like some douchebag, like, tribal <laughs> armband that they're wearing. Sublimated and, tribal <laughs> tattoos. Tribal tattoos, right? And so they've, they've desecrated the memory on Hillsborough, and we, sh- we should even, you know, give a moment to them at the end of the pod, too, uh, with with the recent anniversary of it, but you know, not to make light of it, but that's how, that's how bad it was, right? Like this holy thing for Liverpool supporters was we, we couldn't even use that as a pot. Of, so the entire 2012, 2013 lineup um, was my second worst <laughs> of all time. So uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'll concur across the board. It, that is, that is one of the weakest home kits. And, and I would say the one, it's one of the home kits that threatens to make threatens to make the worst kit list, um, <laughs> which is tough to do because it's red. It's hard to do. It's yeah. red with gold or white accents, depending uh, on the year. So really tough, but they really they they almost did it uh, in that in that twelve thirteen season. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the the change kits warrior when you look at them all, like I, I'm, I'm staring at all of warriors, uh, away and third right now. Um, and when you look at them all as a, as a group of, of, uh, <laughs> of six, it's really, really difficult to look at. Cause it just kind of, yeah, I, I don't know how we persisted, um, through, through the, the tough times. Um, and I will say the one, the only redeeming quality of the of the 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 purple kit uh, for twelve thirteen was uh, Suarez's um, goals against Norwich in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and probably the greatest moment, one of the greatest moments in in Suarez's history at the club when he missed a fairly easy chance the Norwich supporters started giving him a bunch of shit about it. And then he (laughs) stole the ball back, like won the ball back high up the pitch and scored an outside of the boot finish and (laughs) immediately ran and celebrated in front of them, which was fairly amazing. But, um, all right. So, so now it's my turn. And like I said, it's tough looking at all of these because there aren't, because you could easily make 13, 14 change kits, both 
candidates for for some of the worst. Um, and uh, I have to that year deserves deserves the um, the ridicule. Um, but to have a home kit as good as the thirteen fourteen, yeah, and then to make the just <laughs> these two. So I will actually I will actually uh, lay off of the polygon fading exploding reality that's happening on the on the white <laughs> kit. Um, yeah, I, I'll lay off that despite the fact that the stripes never matched up and the whole design was totally pointless because it only worked if they had their shirt tucked in and no one tucks their shirt in. Um, <laughs> so completely completely stupid but the the court jester <laughs> third kit is just it's one of the most absurd designs it's as if the guy at at warrior was really struggling to come up with something and he uh was driving into work and i don't know his office was like in maryland um and he saw the state flag and was like that's what we're going with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, or he, yeah, I don't know. Or he was reading some like history, uh, and, and read about the, read about the court jesters, but, uh, yeah, just the, the, the asymmetrical design and the random white (laughs) patch on the front and on the sleeve and the, purple and the black and it it just didn't make any any goddamn sense like the whole design is just completely incomprehensible um and it uh it actually makes the other efforts from warrior in terms of away and third kit uh look coherent um yeah by comparison i i'm gonna say this because i think that year and maybe the year or two after it that thirteen fourteen away kit was, I think we all viewed it as just an absolute abomination. <laughs> Looking back, I think that one is going to stand the test of time, though. I think the hipster movement has <laughs> has has done well for that kit. So I think we're going to look on, back on that one in twenty years and, and see it as like this kind of groovy psychedelic kit that they put out there. So at least <laughs> it has at least it has that going for it. But but yeah, that that purple one, number one. Why is so much purple from Warrior and New Battle? Like right. so, just so much purple. <laughs> Although I do think that the new kit for for eighteen nineteen, I don't think the purple kit is going to look that bad on the pitch. Right. I don't know what will come from it. I'm not going to go. I'm definitely not going to invest in it. But why so much purple? But yeah, that that's a good shout. That the thirteen fourteen third kit uh, was on my list. But I'm gonna I'm gonna nix that one, and instead I'm gonna go with. One that's not really, not really offensive, but just to me kind of sums up everything. And this whole year kind of does for New Balance Warrior. When New Balance kind of took the charge, it was in, it was fifteen sixteen, right? Or was it was. It 14, that was their when, first. Yeah, fifteen sixteen. When they took over, that to me was this is what New Balance is going to give us, right? When I think New Balance, I think of like white trainers that uh, you know a 50 year old white guy is wearing and that and those kits 
it, I mean, they extremely disappointed, but they didn't disappoint in terms of what I what I would come to expect from New Balance. And the away, or I'm sorry, the third kit, the black one, yeah. was was particularly bad because it's just it, it it looks like there's a little bit of effort in it. You know, they put you know an accent in there. They did a little fading with it, but just terrible. Just terrible. Like like you're not you're not even trying. <laughs> and so that that one made my list. So I'll put that one as my third worst, just because. Why? That that's the one question I have for this Warrior New Balance team. Even even though they've pumped out some great kits, just why? Just why? I so my my uh, that was actually going to be my my third worst um, as well. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll change it up. The. Uh, the reason that was going to be my third worst was because I mean, one, like you said, it's just an an uninspired design. It's a, it looks like a last second. Hey, let's, (laughs) we need to get a shirt out. Um, and, and it is sad because I actually really like, and I know it's a very simple design, but I actually really liked the away kit from that year. The white, um, like the all white kit with the red accents. It's just, I mean, it's, it's classic, there's really, you know, um, it, it was just a, a solid design, but then the black one, like you said, there's just nothing to it. There's, there's nothing going on. Um, and then we also got beat six, one by Stoke in it. And that Ooh, just put it, that buried it. it deep in the ground <laughs> for me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not having, uh, not having that one. So, uh, my actual, I will go back to that year and, and just to, reiterate what you said about new balance is i will go to that that home kit um and and here's why so that season we signed roberto firmino probably one of the you know one of the best things that's happened to liverpool in recent memory yeah his picture uh when he was announced with that kit on like sticks in my memory for some reason that white line that just doesn't quite connect <laughs> in front of the in front of the collar for whatever reason it just like infuriates me i just like i don't know if it's like an ocd thing or or what but uh but yeah when i saw the picture of him in the kid once the excitement of signing roberto firmino had washed over me i uh i was so upset about the kit because it was so bland and it was so odd like why the one white pipe that kind of goes around all the way around the collar is just really weird um and uh yeah i just i couldn't figure out why they had put that there so for being infuriating for no reason uh the fifteen sixteen <laughs> new balance wins that you know we've noticed i've noticed a trend now is that maybe it's not my player selection but maybe it's just how bad those kits are and going into this next season uncertain, maybe I have to avoid it because my, uh, what 11, 11, 12 home or 12, 13, my 12, 13 home kit was Raheem Sterling. My, <laughs> my, my 15, 16 home kit was Jordan Ibe. So I think I just need to avoid, if there's any kind of question marks over the home kit, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to avoid, I'm putting it out there now. I'm avoiding the home kit for 1819. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, so we've talked, we've talked the bad and, uh, 
And if you scroll back, I mean, there's obviously there's plenty of uh, plenty of of questionable design choices through the years. But uh, in the last ten, New Balance and Warrior are gonna are gonna take the cake. Um, so let's talk our favorites um, during the same time period. And uh, and you can go ahead and, and and start us off on this one as well, um, as we go through the the good of of Liverpool design. I this was a tough one too because some of the you know the cutoff like if we were looking past decades some of those Adidas ones. I mean it's hard. I mean they're just phenomenal. So those made my list, but. As much ridicule as, as we've given New Balance Warrior, uh, number one for me, I, whether it stands the test of time, I don't know. But number one is this year's home kit. Just because the the red color that they did, just the design, the, the kind of classic look, but also keeping a good fit, this year's home kit has, has by far been my favorite. I, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's on top of the list. I find myself going back to that one. Every time I'm thinking about putting a kit on, I, I find myself grabbing that one first. Cause it's like, if I've got a home kit of, of this level, why would I, uh, why would I wear anything else? <laughs> um, yeah. which, which takes me, uh, actually towards, towards my first, uh, my first choice, and I'm going to put this out because it stood. It literally stood the test of time. It was the home kit for three seasons, um, yep. and and that is the the kit I'm I'm sporting right now. The kit that was worn in the home kit that was worn in 2008 09 in the in the title challenge, um, and then again in 09 10. Uh, it is that Adidas shirt, um, literally nothing special about it but that in my mind is what makes it so classic um and and the things that were achieved in it as well kind of kind of bring it up a level but there's nothing fancy about it there's nothing completely over the top um but the three stripes down down the shoulders onto the arms and uh and carlsberg across the front uh to me it just that is liverpool um in my mind so um I just think about, uh, you know, the, it's, it's the Gerard Torres Cout, um, <laughs> yeah. era and, and it's just, that is classic Liverpool for me. So I'll, whenever I, whenever I think of, um, you know, past Liverpool teams, that's always the, the shirt that will come to mind. Um, and it, it's just a, it's a classic in the same way that, that this year's, uh, home is, is a classic. I kind of wish they were sticking with it for, uh, beyond the season. Although I know that doesn't sell quite as many shirts. So. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. I think that that's going to make this one next year. Cause I was, that was number two on my list, that kid, both the home and, and I love the away kit too. I know, uh, my, my brother has one. And I was I was always jealous of that of that specific kit too. So yeah, I mean everything. The <laughs> as, as bad as it might be, the logo on the front, uh, it's important, right? It's it's important because it's part of is part of the history. It's part of the kit for that year. And I think you know, standard charter is about as soulless as it gets. But Carlsberg, <laughs> Carlsberg <laughs> is kind of like you know, it, it screams kind of Liverpool the beer itself, you know, probably the best beer in the world, you know, that, that little twinge <laughs> of doubt 
uh, that's in there too. So yeah, 08, uh, the, from, I think, what was it from all the way from like 08 to 10 or something or 2010. So yeah. for a couple of years I had that one and I wish we'd go back to that, you know, just, if you've got a good kit, stick with it for a couple of years. Cause then it, then it means a little bit more, might not sell as much as you said, but means a little bit more. Yeah. And, and those, uh, those gray kits from that season, uh, are, are definitely up my list as well. And I, I think that has more to do with the, uh, with the four one at Old Trafford uh, than anything else, but I I, yeah. I do love the uh, the gray with the with the red accents, and even even the green shirt from that year was uh, with the black shorts was was a uh, was not a bad design at all. I, I just Adidas kept it simple that year, avoided the meandering lines, and uh, and ended up with some absolute classic kids. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So what's your number two? So this is this is this is definitely tough cuz there's there's a lot of good ones out there. Um but I am actually uh I'm going to go Oh man, it is it is there's there's some uh some absolute classics, but I will go so at the at the uh I don't want to just go down the list of of home kits cuz that seems just absolutely boring but <laughs> I, i'll give an honorable mention to the 1314 home kit for kind of striking the same uh chord that this year's home kit has yeah. in terms of just a, a classic design that is just instantly um recognizable as hey this is a, a liverpool kit and uh and then obviously what what they were able to do that year um on the field in it uh added to it and so i think that that will add to um my my second favorite which has grown <laughs> has grown on me just in immense immense amounts this year and that's the orange that's orange thunder <laughs> that that's a tropic thunder because i was going to say we should make tropic thunder number 1 just because of the way that, that we've performed in it too. So that, I think that one's going to go down, especially with the, uh, the Van Dyke signing as, <laughs> as kind of a cult favorite. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, Tropic Thunder should be, um, I don't know. I, they should keep that one as a, as a throwback or, or something for, for the years to come. Cause, uh, I mean, so many performances of just, the highest quality in, in that orange shirt. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I, I genuinely, uh, I, I genuinely enjoy it. I think it at first when I, when I saw the bright orange and just kind of a simple design, I was like, Oh, okay, great. You know, we've got just a, a different colored kit, um, kind of a yeah. variation on the home, but, um, the color orange, I don't know. It's really, uh, I've really, I've really grown to like that one. Yeah, and it kind of—I I was thinking about orange also when you were bold enough to rock the the fourteen fifteen ketchup and mustard. Oh kit. yeah, uh, but that that one looked good, right? I mean, that one looked good. So I can't I can't sell these these new kits short because you never know when which one. Some look good, uh, like you said, the the white um, from I think it was what fifteen sixteen. Yeah, uh, looked really good. Like I probably wouldn't wear it because I'm I'm already wide enough, but. Uh, on, <laughs> <laughs> on television, the, the white one looked good. Um, but for my third, uh, I'll give my third, and then I want to give honorable mention to uh, just because I got a couple that 
that stayed close. But my third was that that home kit from from thirteen fourteen yeah. too. Uh, that's that's the one I'm rocking right now, the CVG uh, thirteen fourteen home kit. Uh, so I love that one for all the reasons you just said. But then of course too the um, I think it's the fourteen fifteen away or no fourteen fifteen third kit was the black with the red. Yeah. Uh, I've all I've always loved that one. Uh, looking back on it now. It's not, it's not the greatest, but I, I don't know. I just, I always love that one. It's also a Sturridge one too. So that helps. Yeah. Um, but then I think it was, what was it last year's away kit? Mm-hmm. That was kind of similar to it a little bit, the black, a little bit easy, you know, a little bit simpler. Uh, but those, both of those were kind of my honorable mention that the, the black and the red. And that's why that, I think that, uh, the 1415 black was so offensive to me is because it was so like it, those kids to normally look so good. And they're so easy to do. So how could you do it so bad? But yeah, right. 13, 14, and then those, the black and red kits, uh, that new balance put out. Yeah. I, uh, I think my, uh, my last, um, my last entry is, uh, is similar because it, it's redeeming the, <laughs> the idea of the black kit because i've disparaged multiple we've disparaged multiple black kits now um so on the back of you uh choosing the the black and red uh warrior kit from 1415 the uh the the dark well i guess it was almost a dark gray but the the black adidas kit um with the pinstripes um i don't know for whatever reason it was 11 12 so the same year as the the white and blue um, and it was just a, it was a really well done, uh, dark kit. Oh yeah. And, and the pinstripes, just a nice little touch, nice little accent that weren't really used to. Um, cause we were, <laughs> you know, I, we, any type of, any type of stripe or anything like that, I think throws Liverpool fans off in terms of, you know, hoops or anything <laughs> like that. They're just like, wait, what's going on? Um, so yeah, I, I just, that's a really, a really well done, simple kit. And, uh, the only thing that depresses me about it is most of my memories about it are us toiling against just the, the trash of the league, but, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, Craig it's Bellamy that, out there for that us. That influences it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, uh, I think, I think overall we can be, we can be fairly happy the the new balance thing i I don't think it's ending anytime soon because it is a it's a boston company so i think we may be maybe stuck with this one for a while yeah they can be so meh again that why question keeps coming up in spite of they've pumped out some really good kits but some you just kind of like scratch your head and think that that's what made it that's what made it so that that's actually my feeling towards uh 1819 but you know, one thing that I will say about the, the New Balance, mostly New Balance, not really Warrior, is they, they do some of the little things really well. When they do it right, they do it really well. Uh, when they do it wrong, it's it, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited for tomorrow. I'm excited to see how it looks on the players. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, getting that first-hand look at it and actually seeing it uh, in, in person and not in mock-ups, you know, in actual pictures uh, – it, I, I'm sure it'll uh, look a little bit better than than what we thought because I think in terms of in terms of the most improved from announcement to 
the players was t- this year's away kit, um, the the 125th anniversary. I think when yeah. people saw the mock-ups, they were like, absolutely not. This is terrible. Um, <laughs> but it actually doesn't look that bad um, in, in practice. It's not something I'm going to buy, but it, it, it's yeah, it's not a bad kit. So they get gets the most improved award. Um, <laughs> so uh, we... As we finish up our our kit discussion, one one of our most stylish players, the guy who is never <laughs> never caught in a in a unfashionable or uh, you know awkward situation, is Roberto Firmino, and uh, mm. we have the stat that has been making the rounds um, recently. We have to have to dedicate this this ending portion of the pod to Bobby Dazzler. Unbelievable. Um, Cause I want to give credit. I'm going to give credit to two people. One is, and he was kind of bragging about it lately to no surprises, uh, old Manhattan doc, right. Who yeah. was a Firmino fan. Like before he arrived at LFC, big champion of him once he arrived too. Uh, so credit to him, but also credit to you. Cause you, I, I mean, you guys, it's like a stock and you were in on the ground floor, right? You were part <laughs> of the, the IPO. So you guys have been there ever since. And so, uh, I mean, do you have this hat in front of you? I've got it in front of you. If you got it in front of you, I want you to take this because I mean, I feel like it's a, a culminating moment for you just because this it's unbelievable, right? What Firmino has done this year has been absolutely incredible. Well, I think, I mean, the stat you're referring to is his defensive work, right? Yeah, so uh, one's been floating around that he's got, what, more tackles than Mustafi, right? More more tackles than a lot of (laughs) defenders in the... In yeah, the uh, a, a Premier League, handful, right? A handful, a handful of top defenders. But here, it, this is my favorite one. So it was, uh, I think, a favorite, and I quoted it on Twitter uh, from at Football Fact, mm-hmm. and it's in the 130 year history of football, Roberto Firmino becomes the first player to create 50 plus chances and complete 60 plus tackles in a single season. Add to that 14 assists and 25 goals this season and counting. Like what, what he's done is. I, I saw that and I was like, is Salah's the player of the season? But I think we all know that kind of Firmino's kind of the MVP, right? Like he, what he's done is just uh, like untouchable. And so just, again, I, I tip my hat to you because you called it, we all knew how good he was, like the, the you know, maybe even creating chances, maybe even tackles. Um, but just the goal scoring and the assists, I mean, you called it, you called it from, before the season started too, which that tweet did not get the the credit it deserved <laughs> whenever you brought it back up. But no, it, it's unbelievable. The, uh, I, I, I think, so I'm going to go on a, on a mini rant here because so, <laughs> so Firmino is the, he, he is the MVP in terms of the way that we play. So much of it is, is down to the way that, Firmino is able to shape things from that that striker position because I I hate even calling him a false nine um, because it, a false nine doesn't score twenty five goals a season uh, yeah you know, it, that he's not there's nothing false about him wearing the number nine shirt he's a goal scorer but he does so much and like you like you said I mean that 
ability to create 50 plus chances and complete 60 plus tackles having never been done before in football. That's, I think that's where we all kind of sit back and we're like, well, who can come in for Firmino? You know, like there is no one who plays that way. Like no one ever in the history of the sport. (laughs) That's the, that's the level that this is at is, um, and I think that's why it's so infuriating when he's not even mentioned in player of the year or team of the year type conversations because yeah, I got it. You know, Aguero and Kane are are scoring more. So when you're looking at a forward, you're going to say, Oh, well they've got more goals. So that's, that's what, you know, forwards are supposed to do. But when you look at the ability of Firmino, he is, a, a big part of the reason that Sala is able to do what he does, you know, that's, and, and Mane as well. And I mean, he, he enables the team to play the, that way. So I think, um, when you look at, when you look at what contributions people are making across, uh, across the league, there probably is no player that contributes in all phases of play the way that, that Firmino does he no one yeah. I mean and like like the stat points out no one has done it before ever so um he is he is contributing at a level that uh that has literally never been seen and and I think uh he he's going to get I, I think he's always going to get some some doubt and and a little bit of hate from those who wish he was a more pure striker, I guess. Um, yeah. But the, I mean, this season, uh, you know, 20, 25 goals, the, the 14 assists, and all the while um, creating creating loads of chances for his teammates as well. Um, I, I just, I don't know of a player, um, that, um, that is more important, uh, to their side. And, and that's, that's where, cause if the ball does come to him in the area, then he's probably going, you know, he, he can, he can finish, he can, he can assist and, and then he can win the ball back. Um, probably better than anyone. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think I, I think I personally I'm at once infuriated by those who won't, you know, acknowledge him for the player that he is. But at the same time, I'm more than happy uh, for him to continue to to be undervalued um, because any team out there should be falling over themselves to throw money at Liverpool for, for Firmino. Um, and if they're distracted by, <laughs> by the, you know, higher goal scoring numbers or whatever, uh, whatever it is, um, the longer he can, he can keep playing for us then then, uh, the better off we are. So I don't really mind that people undervalue him because there won't be any, uh, <laughs> there won't be any temptations. Not that I, not that I think Bobby is, <laughs> is going anywhere. Um, yeah. Cause he's, he's been 
obviously very happy to to play for Liverpool. So, um, yeah. I mean, the next step is just lock this guy down to a contract and a big one, hopefully soon. Yeah. I mean, we know Salah deserves it, but I think that front three are, are all in line for a payday too. So good that Firmino got the time he deserves because he's, he's what, he's a nine, he's a 10, he's a six. He, he he's every, he's, <laughs> he's a front, he's like the attacking to midfield spine for all right. at once. Right. So, I mean, he, we give him a ton of praise, but you can't, there, there's not enough to throw at him just the way that he's performed this year uh, in, in every area of the pitch too. So rightfully deserved for Firmino. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he's been brilliant. And I think what's, what's so fascinating about the way Liverpool play, and this will, this will be my last point before we close out. But um, <laughs> Firmino is a, you know, a nine, a, a guy who plays in the nine who plays like a six uh, and a 10 at, at the same time. Uh, Sala is a, is a winger who scores goals like a striker. Mane is a winger who has been creating <laughs> like a 10. Uh, and then we have, we have the man on his way in, um, Nabi Keita, who's uh, eight who can at once play like he's a 10 or a six. So I, I, I think Klopp has found this, he he's found this system and, and the kind of um, he's been able to set these guys up in a, in a system that allows them to exploit their strengths regardless of, of their position. So um, yeah. it's, it's given Bobby the chance to use his energy and his, and his, um, tackling ability uh in in advanced positions but he's also found you know the ways to get people into into their best positions and that's that's why this team is is playing the way that it is right now is everyone everyone regardless of you know where they're drawn on a on a formation sheet they're using their best qualities to help the team so um yeah. and and Bobby Could- I think is the purest example of that yeah, I mean, I think Firmino screams a Klopp player more than any other just because of his skill set and his abilities. But credit to Klopp, too, for finding that and getting the most out of his players. Like you said, Salamane, uh, also like maybe even Milner, Hendo, and Ox in the midfield to another extent, right? All flexible within midfield and and even attacking on the wings. And hell, even Gomez, <laughs> even Gomez, right? Right back, center back. So, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a flexible team, and I think with our approach, with a smaller squad, it has to be. Otherwise, we would not have gotten to where we are so far this year, challenging not necessarily for the Premier League title, but solidifying our hold on a top four spot and you know the semifinals in the Champions League. Um, it, I mean, we said it before. It's just a <laughs> it's just a feel good team from the manager to the players to the fans. So uh, it, it's exciting, you know, and, and we'll try to stay excited for the Premier League, but with the semifinals of the Champions League on the horizon, it can be tough, but hopefully we get a result this weekend too. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot. Uh, we talked a lot about the Champions League, but for West Brom on Saturday, uh, who? what are we looking at? Are we are we going to slip up like uh, like United so famously did? against West Brom? I don't know. With, with West Brom, with their new manager, they've had 
you know, he's had what taken over for two matches and had two pretty good defeats. So I think it all depends. It, it, it's just going to boil down to if Klopp puts out a full squad, there's no reason we don't blow him away. Right. I mean, anything it's, as we always say, it's premier league, anything could happen. But if we field a full squad against West Brom, then we blow him away. If Solanke, if Ings are, are up front, then who knows? Who knows? Right. It could be, it could be a result that we don't want. So Impossible to say, but either way, I'm going to say as much as I would like a 2-0, a 2-0 win. I'm going to go 2-1, 2-1 to Liverpool with um, Solanke getting getting off the start for his uh, his first team career, and maybe let's say a uh, um, either before or after a sub appearance for uh, Mohamed Salah to continue his run. Yeah, that's what I uh, I don't know why, but I just feel like. Um... I just feel like going for a three nothing like at Bournemouth and uh, just go down go down the list. <laughs> Salah, Firmino, and Mane all have goals um, because that just that just seems uh, kind of the way they're playing right now. But it, it obviously a lot depends on on whether Klopp chooses to use this game as uh, experience and and some minutes for for some of the guys yeah. that haven't been playing as much. But um, I. I don't, I don't see him taking his foot off the gas. Um, but, it's not really a stop. But we'll, uh, we will see on Saturday. It's an early morning game, so credit to uh, the El Paso Reds and anyone west of them um, up at five thirty <laughs> and four thirty. Pacific and Mountaineers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because six thirty, I can, I can deal with here in Central Time, but it is going to be an adjustment heading back, <laughs> heading back out west uh and and getting into that mountain time and getting up nice and early and uh well i i i've yet to be introduced to the to the rock and cigar bar or the ihop depending on depending on match times uh your poison yeah no kidding so um so with with that i think so obviously win this weekend would be would be great we saw tottenham uh kind of miss a chance uh to gain ground on Liverpool with their game in hand. So now top four firmly in Liverpool's uh grasp and and I would say, you know, this is exactly where we want the race to be because our destiny is our own. Um and if we take care of business these last last couple of games, um then we'll we'll be in the top three, and we can at least make United sweat a little bit for that uh, for that second place slot. <laughs> yeah, TCB. But uh, yeah, I I think that about brings us to the to the end of our our travel. So we've uh, I, I I'll be headed out back to El Paso this summer, obviously. But in the meantime, um, before I talk to you guys in person, go ahead and. Check out our Twitter uh, and our uh, our website at Two Red Gringos and Two Red Gringos dot com for all our past episodes and everything and uh, and then yeah just uh, talk to us on there keep an eye out for El Paso USL stuff too if you're here for that and um, yeah I mean we're, what else we got going on I don't know we got anything else I know we, we got, got the Champions League so that, that's all I need. I know he got Jeezy, so. True. <laughs> <laughs>
the song, like, I love the song, but it's, I mean, it's absurd. still there yeah i'm here oh okay because i, I want to hear the story <laughs> all right so yeah it was the the i'm coming home I, I'm, I'm not sure where to start okay we'll start like this it was chicago i don't know maybe 2000 2015 winter 2015 i'm not sure dark king darba always has a better recollection but uh <laughs> It, it involves, like I said, the uh, P. Diddy, I'm, I'm Coming Home, and my love for Fast and the Furious. So uh, <laughs> we get home af- after a night out, a, a, a night on the ale, as you might call it, and we get back, and I pop in what I thought was the, the Fast and the Furious DVD. So I think I might have had a Euro. Uh, I'm not sure. But anyways, probably around 3 a.m., the bars are closed, had a night out. Put in the Fast and the Furious DVD because, you know, it's my all-time favorite movie. And once it plays, this ad, like this advertisement comes on for a, it was like, I don't know, Fast Five or the Six One or something like that. There was a preview for, for the upcoming movie and it had, this is right after Paul Walker had died. Right. And so it's playing P. Diddy's I'm Coming Home and my, I'm so drunk at this point that my thought process is, I've just put in this DVD, how's this, you know, from like Fast and Furious, what, like 2001, I've just put in this DVD that's, you know, 10, 15 years old, how is this song that didn't exist at the time and this, you know, and for the, you know, Fast 6 movie or whatever come out? And so, you know, I, I start getting a little emotional, like it's a miracle, like a Paul Walker miracle or something. Um, <laughs> Well, it turns out it was not it was not a DVD that I'd put in, but a but a Blu-ray into the PS4, and Blu-rays have updated <laughs> have updated movie previews that they are do. a little bit more current than <laughs> than whatever whatever's going on at the time. So, in spite of my drunken state, my love for the Fast and the Furious, I thought a a Paul Walker miracle had occurred. <laughs> Uh, when the reality is, it was just a a web-based movie preview from the from the Fast and the Furious <laughs> Blu-ray. But be in of itself that uh, that I own both the Blu-ray version and the DVD version of the Fast and the Furious, and on iTunes as well. So that is impressive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if impressive is the right word, but but I mean, yeah, too much alcohol. I mean, maybe and not. I thought I thought I had been blessed with a Paul Walker miracle. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. 
Well, I mean, you should have called the Vatican. Could get him canonized, you know. Saint Paul. I mean, Walker. I'm sure it's only it's only a matter of time for Paul Walker. He'll actually it'll take on. You know, Paul's a pretty pretty good Catholic name, and he'll 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 swoop in on that sainthood status in no time. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Saint Paul Walker, while you're waiting for that, uh, I'm gonna in honor of in honor of uh, our Bay Area guest <laughs> from earlier. I'll I'll close us out with a little childish Gambino song called Oakland. Oh. Adios. Adios. Baby, that's a problem Cause I'm way too scared to call And you might get mad